Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Matt. Hey, you right? Yeah, all good. Thanks. I can see you're still, still in Wimbledon. Still, still in, in your little room. My little Wimbledon dungeon. Um, yeah, I'm here for the keep final. You, in there. you don't, you don't get out, do you? you just I get, stay I get, there. I, I get meals passed through a, a, a slot in the door, but that's about it. Um, but yeah, I'm here. It's men's finals day, so um, oh. I've got that coming up in an hour and a half. So we thought we'd do Exciting. squeeze in a record before. Yeah, so it should be good. Yeah. We shall see. I'm not going to predict because then I'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll sound terrible when I get it wrong. But I, I do think Djokovic will win. But uh, who knows? Alcaraz may have done it by the time this goes out. I, yeah, Djokovic is the favourite, but I'm going to go for Alcaraz. And then whenever yep. you record that and say, uh, <laughs> say the opposite. <laughs> if I'm wrong. You're at home, are you? You're back. Yeah, I'm at home. I've just been at Goodwood all week. I've been doing the Festival of Speed. Uh, well, I say all week, Thursday, Friday. And then... Yesterday it was all cancelled because of the weather. There was a massive storm hit, so all the you know fifty mile an hour winds, all these temporary structures. It was a bit sketchy, so they, they cancelled it, which is a big shame. But back on today, I think. Um, and I was driving up the hill. Well, I was I was part of the Lotus seventy fifth anniversary celebrations. That was great fun. I drove Al Nish's old uh, GT one. Oh, great. Le Mans went in nineteen ninety eight. GT one. That was incredible i don't know how i fitted into it my head was kind of wedged against the ceiling <laughs> against the, the roof i remember because i was watching some of the clips of it and i immediately thought of you because i knew you were there as i saw someone come off and i just thought god have you ever done that when you've pranged a, a car that you've you know yeah thanks for mentioning that Matt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, but, but you know full well <laughs> you know full well i I had a massive shunt. Well, I, 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 I don't yeah. know what you're talking so, about. Um, <laughs> 2014. So I just, I've been into doing motorsport for about a year at that point. And yeah, this is my sport to misadventure, <laughs> one of many. But um, yeah, basically in front of all the, the tens of thousands of people there and all the people watching online, I drove straight on at Mulcombe and went in through the four rows of hay bales, completely wrote off this brand new Nissan Nismo GTR, which was, Jeez. it was it was the personal car of... Um, Andy Palmer, who was the CEO of Nissan at the time, he hadn't even driven it yet. One of only two in the country. So yeah, I just basically mis- misjudged it. Mulcombe is a really tricky corner where you, if you, you you've got to break before you can see the apex. Um, and I just misjudged it by the time I if you if you haven't broke, hit the brakes by the time you see the apex, there's just no way of making the corner. And it's not like a track where you've got gravel or runoff. It's just track, grass, and then big heavy hay bales. How, how awkward a conversation is that when you return? It was tough, and but you know Andy Palmer is an amazing guy, and I saw him. I, I got out of the car, and I was just. Well, I, first of all, I wanted to sit in the car for until everyone had gone home. I just didn't want to get out. I was absolutely mortified. God. Um, put on my baseball cap, pulled it down low, and then yeah, I went back to the the Nissan HQ bit, and Andy was walking towards me, and I was just like, oh, "I'm so sorry." And he's like, "Do you know what? We can replace cars. We can't replace people." I'm just delighted that you're fine. And he said, "We're getting loads of coverage, loads oh, of publicity." So he was he was amazing about it. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Definitely one of my low points. So yeah, I sympathise with the the hand eye driver that went straight on at Mulcombe and uh, and took away one of the records that I was quite happy to let go. <laughs> and and what about today? Who have we who have we got joining us? I'm not sure they're a today, enthusiast. 
Yeah, today we've got Simon Brodkin, who is a stand-up comic who's got various comedy characters. He's been, uh, yeah, quite a controversial one at times. He was, um, I think he got involved in the, the FIFA, um, the, the kind of controversy about FIFA awarding Qatar the World Cup and came in and made a statement with one of his characters, Lee Nelson, came in with a big pile of cash and threw it at Seb Blatter. Yeah, I remember. So, um, yeah, he got a lot of attention with that. But, yeah, he's, he's got many comedy characters. And, uh, yeah, I think football is his main sport, but we'll, we'll find out when he comes in. And he's got a show coming up. He's off to Edinburgh with uh, Xavier, which uh, which we'll talk to him about. But, um, yeah, I, think, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what the show's about. But um, Yeah, it's yeah. that time of year, isn't it? The Fringe yeah. Festival's coming up. And, yeah, exciting for all the comics and all the comedy fans too. Hey, Simon. Hey. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. How are you guys? Okay. Man. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm all just good, here. All good. I'm just here at Wimbledon. I was just saying to Chris because my day job is a sports journalist. So I'm about to do the the men's final after this. So you're uh... well. It will be a bit of a uh, bit of a come down after this. <laughs> Sorry, <mate>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was one of those. Uh, I thought you were doing a bad uh, gag. That yeah, I've got a Zoom background that shows them at Wimbledon, but that's genuinely. <laughs> I've even got accreditation to show my yeah. Proof. He's full of nonsense. He, honestly, yeah. he just sits in the same room every time. Whatever sporting event's on, he puts it behind him. Yeah, I've made. He's a not even a journalist. <laughs> I've made a few fake IDs myself. I can snap one a mile off, mate. You don't trick me. <laughs> yeah, you've had a few fake IDs, haven't you? You've managed to get yourself in a few places over the years. Yeah, one or two, uh, of which not many I was actually invited to. So, um, <laughs> and just in case you thought I was hiding somewhere glamorous. Uh, yeah, it's um, kind of like my backdrop as well. Yeah, yeah that's so low as to sort of almost feel covered in appearance. <laughs> I'm just very tall. That's all it is. <laughs> well, actually, yesterday, looking, I mean, it, 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 I, I got to say, uh, genuine pleasure to talk to you. Uh, oh, thank you. you. But particularly the Olympic champion. I just, I don't want to have <laughs> favourites, but um, yeah, seriously. And I was thinking, uh, I'll look up, because you, you, you um, I was, I was wanting, I thought in my mind you're a little bit smaller than you were because I'm tiny. So I'm always looking for fellow, uh, f for fellow smallies. But looked you up and no, you are, you're towering over me. I was about to say, you see, I can do it. I still have got the height. <laughs> To get those Olympic medals, but no. Well, do you know what? Cyclists, a lot of the road cyclists are, are really small because they've got to get over these massive big mountains. So the smaller and lighter you are, the better. And even even guys like Mark Cavendish, who, you know, he's a sprinter on the roads, but on the, the I used to ride the tracks, it'd be all about maximum power and short bursts of speed. Because he's got to ride for six hours to get to the finishing line, he's actually an endurance athlete. So he's, I don't know how tall he is, but he's probably five foot six, five foot seven. He's a really small guy, very, very efficient. So Yes, like you could be a cyclist. You never I, know. I, mate, I dream of being five foot seven. So uh, <laughs> I was not. I, I'm watching the because um, I'm I'm totally fascinated by the 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 you know sport at an elite level. Like you absolutely conquered. In fact, there's a little overlapping um, the chimp paradox. Have you read it? I have read it. And, oh wow! Um, tried to learn many a lesson from it, and I believe you were one of its early protagonists and used that model to help you through you know many struggles many uh yeah so so yeah um but i'm watching the netflix um tour de france oh so am i that's exactly yeah. what i'm watching at the moment it's yeah br it's brilliant the, the footage inside the peloton is unbelievable footage inside the peloton is unbelievable i mean like all these things you wish it i i, I want them to show a little bit more about 
the other side, the training, because they don't show any of that. They just pop on their bike and look like they've just got off the coach. And and and. <laughs> but these guys, I mean, they've got to be operating at an unhealthy BMI. I mean, they are. They look snappable. They are. Yeah. It, 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 it's uh, yeah. Obviously, every athlete has to push themselves to whatever extreme it takes. But these guys, the lightness and the power yeah. they are generating, it's. Um, well, it's every every um, you know every gram counts. Basically, every single ounce of weight that you can save um, is going to be a benefit. You work out how many vertical meters you're climbing in a in a, a mountain stage. It's it's so important to be light. The bikes have a minimum weight, so you can't reduce the bike's weight. So the only thing you can reduce in weight is yourself. So yeah, I, bl- I blame my bike, Chris. It's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was never going to be a climber myself. I mean, I'm like 92, 93 kilos. Um, I was about 95 when I was racing. So, yeah, we were very different athletes to the, the Tour de France guys. But you're right, they are. It, it can't be healthy. I think they basically have to come down to, to a race weight and you can't stay that weight all year round because mm. your immune system becomes suppressed and you pick mm. up colds and even just your, yeah, more chance of getting injured and hurting yourself. So I think Bradley, yeah, Wiggins, Bradley, Bradley, Bradley Wiggins was saying he almost got an eating disorder because he was, you know, pushing the thing and being so obsessive about it. It then sort of infiltrated everyday life so it shows sort of how powerful that can be i guess i remember oh, jack white sorry jack white once said to him in an interview you look like someone that's been shipwrecked for six months and it's <laughs> it's, it's true you look like you hadn't eaten a proper meal for i don't yeah, know how long yeah tour already tour it's, it's it's amazing so when when you were at your peak like you know the week of the olympics you, were you operating? Obviously, it's a completely different ball game in terms of where you want to push yourself with the power and with the. Was there anything that you would go? I, I can't sustain that health wise, or was no, it? No, it's it's more it's more the intensity of the the training, and it's so in terms of your your diet, in terms of your nutrition, it was always about fueling to to have enough enough fuel in the tank, basically, so you could um, produce these massive spikes of effort. But the the hard part was. Uh, coming into training, oh, sorry, coming into competition, the training it, it massively drops off. So you're freshening up. You're actually doing a lot less training in the last two weeks before a competition than you would do six months out or a year out. So the really hard part is early season when you're out in Australia or you know kind of winter training somewhere nice and warm, and you're doing six seven hours a day. You know, comprising your gym, your track, your road work, and it's relentless. And that that's the point where you feel this isn't sustainable. You know, you you start thinking and looking ahead at the program for that month or that those that two month period and you think I can't even finish this week off, let alone the month. But going back to Steve Peters and, and the Chimp Paradox book, it was Steve was very good at teaching you to to focus on the here and the now, to focus on what you had control over, not worrying about all the various variables that are out of your control. So you would just in that situation you'd say, look, what can I do? Well, rest, recovery, diet. And, and you know, and when you're training, you don't think about the, the training session in the afternoon or next week or whenever. Just do what you need to do right now, one rep at a time, one effort at a time. And it was that to me that was the hard part. So although we were sprinters, there was an element of endurance because it was just this relentless treadmill. You know, this day after day, week after week, month after month, doing the same thing. But but it's all worth it when you get to the uh, when you get to the games. And it's a bit like Christmas Day, really. It's like getting your presents. You know, sort of waiting to see what's under the tree unwrapping it and seeing what you've got and seeing <laughs> seeing what all this hard work is is, is it going to pay off or is it going to be enough are you going to be able to to get that gold medal but yeah seems like a long time ago now <laughs> <laughs> uh and obviously matt you're peaking today for the wimbledon final 
Yes. Is there um, anything that you couldn't sustain long term? The the this pass gives you thirty five pounds worth of free food a day. I think if I stay here any longer, I'm I'm gonna unlike the tour cyclist, oh, I'm gonna become could, a beast. Uh, you should have you should have invited me then. I could have helped you, Matt. <laughs> There's just a lot of food to be eaten, but yeah, it should be good. It should be a good final. Will you guys watch it later? Yeah. I definitely. um yeah yeah go sorry go on Chris. No, I was gonna say yeah, I'll be there watching it. Where are you? Yeah, um, I'm preparing for my new Edinburgh show. Yeah, so how's I'll that going? It. It's going great. It's going, it's going really great. I've just did a um, a huge tour. So sort of, as you may know, I sort of moved from the characters and that was the early straight onto television, three series sort of spearheaded by Lee Nelson and, um, uh, and a bit of Jason Bent. That was my, uh, that was my sporting prowess on the television, pretending <laughs> to be a Premier League footballer. In fact, I remember one time we did, um, we shot something at uh, Tottenham's ground, White Hart Lane, though, before they smashed it down and built the most incredible stadium for not such a great team. But let's... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember and we were wanting to get some clips for this uh, th- th- this sketch where I'd been sent off and you um, the adrenaline was going. You're in the stadium and, boy, I, I jumped for a header like I've never jumped before. <laughs> toppled over the back of someone slammed to the ground winded myself um and um so yeah that that was uh that was my elite level football career over um and then i sort of was doing all the stunts at the same time we were talking about the fake id so yeah i was popping up all over the place often with a little sporting uh a little because I'm, I'm passionate about sport love sports so i'm doing things that i know about and i care about and whether that be you know taking the mick out my own football team i'm a big manchester city fan um i guess i now only always need to caveat that by going yes i was there when we wish it um <laughs> and um yeah my, my dad's from manchester and um his dad's from manchester and so uh I actually dragged him back into it. He was a big fan back in the day. And then I, um, he, he saw us be successful the first time round. 68, the cup and, wow. uh, yeah, the league at Newcastle. I think it was in James's Park and the cup winners cup a couple of years later. Anyway, then I went to Manchester and was studying up there, was studying medicine up there. Um, and, um, got him and me a season ticket and, um, saw some real shite. Uh, <laughs> Some, but fun enough, I went there more when we were rubbish than now when we're good, just because of busy family, London, travel, commute. It's hard to say to your kids when you're on a massive tour and you get a weekend off, go, kids, I'm off to see the true love of my life, Manchester City. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow morning. All right, guys. Um, and um, so, yeah, that was um, joining Manchester City on the pitch at Goodison Park as my Premier League footballer, Jason Bent. And the gag was that they were signing so many players that Jason just thought that he was he, he'd been signed as well. Um, so that was actually in front of a larger number of supporters than my uh, pretending to play football at Tottenham. Or the set blatter, the famous money throw, again from Jason, actually, um, representing North Korea. It was the North Korean 2026 World Cup bid. There you go, Seth. The money's all there. Here you go. As we discussed and then chucked in there and made some quite good photos. Um, 
I, I think to, that was I the only to, sporting ones. I meant to ask you about the the whole Sepp Blatter one because it was so iconic. It was amazing. It went everywhere. TV, you know, all the papers, etc. Did Did you get accreditation for that, or was it a total fake one? I don't know the full backstory to how how it all happened. Yeah, there was not much. Um, uh, 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 there was not a lot of uh, legit behaviour going on, shall we say. <laughs> right. uh, but at the heart of the very um, com- at the heart of the very corporation was also not doing a lot of legit behaviour. Right. Um, and of course, as I always say, the irony was I went to prison and Set didn't. <laughs> so yeah, I was arrested, chucked in a Swiss cell. Wow. Which I have to say, a lot higher quality than the British cells. <laughs> if we can learn anything <laughs> from the Swiss justice system, it's they look after their prisoners. Great, fantastic. They were hilarious, actually, because obviously the police, look, they're not used to dealing with, you know, people like me. They're used to dealing with criminals who have done bad things. But obviously the stuff I'm doing um, isn't really evil or wicked. It's 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 a joke essentially, a live joke in front of real people, interacting reality and comedy, and it's almost like a a momentary sketch. You know, wouldn't it be funny if we gave the prime minister a P forty five? You know, we don't get a permission and come and film it. You just go along to where she's given a big uh, um, party conference and give it to her without her asking. So yes, it's illegal. But equally, so the police have got to treat you sort of like a criminal, but they're also like, that was pretty funny, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember one of them, he knocks on my cell um, and um, he's, he's like, uh, uh, you might want to know, it's all over the television. Would you, li- would you like to come and have a look? <laughs> and so he takes me out the cell and I'm there in this police station in Switzerland and there, which is where FIFA headquarters are. And, um, and he's there and I've got handcuffs on. Obviously he asked her, once you take a you know, prisoner out of the cell, you've got to put your cuffs on. And they're all there behind the desk, like showing me the TV. They're showing it. It's all over the internet. Look at this. And they're pr- like, so proud of me. Like he's, he's our <laughs> prisoner. <laughs> and what was the backlash? When, was it, was it from there? How long did they keep you and what was the process for you to get out and, and the repercussions of it? The process to get out are having a very good Swiss lawyer <laughs> was what happened, um, who uh, told me to sort of shut up and I'll now do the talking. Um, and um, while I have a little bit of German in me, yeah, not many words of what they were saying I was understanding. But I got out. They did press charges, got a criminal record. And, um, yeah, so, in fact, that led me. No, the other one where I got prosecuted well, was for the, for the other sporting one, actually. I got terrible advice then. The more stunts I was doing, the more I was like, you know what, I need to take the kind of aftermath just as seriously as the actual doing the stunt. So the, what, one of the early ones was, yeah, as I say, pretending to be this, this, uh, this, this, loaded stupid premier league footballer it was sort of amalgamation of beckham and gerard and rooney and you know you know um it started off actually as post-match interviews uh al murray gave me his first the, the first break on his sketch show his itv sketch show and i think one of the first gags was you know how was the match you know well it started off then carried on quick break in the middle then it was over 
And it was that sort of... Because <laughs> the footballers, I think today they're a little bit better, but back then it was just... the They were just a total waste of time, those interviews, weren't they? Just a total waste of time. So it came out of that. And I, you know, then was going let's let's when the start started have stunt started happening i was like wouldn't it be great let's get him actually thinking that he's part of the city squad you know and he's coming on i'm in the squad or what my agent said i'd signed for city what's going on lads so i got advice before them from like a, a friend of the family there was a lawyer friend of the family anyone a lawyer lawyer lawyers a lawyer so i phoned um th- this friend of the family um because the only lawyers i knew were into convincing the housing right great I'm not about to. I'm not about to buy Goodison Park, and they were actually specialists in divorce. And they were like, "No, no, absolutely no problem. God, as long as it's not during the match, no problem whatsoever." Oh, thanks, brilliant. Went on carefree. The police, they, they, the, 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 the Scouse police, they weren't big fans, and there is the most clearly defined laws about not encroaching the pitch like it couldn't be any clearer because the hooligans 70s 80s they were like no you step on the pitch we're going to take you down the worst advice ever from this lawyer um but probably meant that i actually did it instead of knowing that i was going to get arrested so um it was what was the aftermath of that then were you taken away in handcuffs uh, aftermath of that was yeah there's the, 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 the so the police came along dragged off the I was on for quite a while on yeah. the pitch. Um there's some great pictures actually there. Because you're warming um, up, aren't you? You're warming up and warming sort of stretching up, yeah, <laughs> yeah, stretching up. Me and Torre, Silver. Um there's a great pictures of yeah, some amazing, amazing players. And um and then David Platt, uh England footballer, was then one of the coaches at City. And there's a great picture of him just going absolutely bloody mental in the background. As I'm warming up with it, he's like, who the f*** is he? We're about to... I still blame myself for that guy. I think we lost that game or drew that game. Um, terrible performance. Anyway, yeah, they pressed charges. They kicked me out at like purposely at like four in the morning when obviously there's no trains, no car, no coaches, bastards. Um and um, <laughs> I remember what I had to, all I had to do, Fred, say they wheel around proper prison stuff. Things are like cliche prison stuff. And they wheel around the trolley of books. <laughs> and they open like your show, cell. Show and like, redemption. Exactly. <laughs> believe it or not, they're like, book time. And they, they, uh, they let you have a look. And um, the book I remember reading was about the one like, the, the the Liverpool's most hardest criminals back in the day and the things he did and the techniques he used. And I'm like, I clearly no one has had a look at what's on your shelf because this is, <laughs> if anything has helped me know more about the criminal underworld, it's the book you've just given me while I've been under your care. I was going to ask you, Matt, were any of your colleagues in any of these press conferences or any of the events um, yeah, I, don't, I, I, I can't remember anyone who was at the football, but a lot of people were at FIFA. A lot, yeah, a lot of people talk about that. For I mean, because it was perfect. You know, it, it, it was just the right message to FIFA at that point with all the sort of corruption and money changing hands, and and the photos of it of the money in the air. And I think you see FIFA in the background. Every, I mean, it was just it's the perfect prank, I think. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. It's a decent. It's a decent photo. Probably should have got rights to that, and I might not be chatting to you now. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'd well, still I be think... chatting to us from your, your, you know, your 
Pacific Island on the yeah. beach, cocktail <laughs> yeah. in hand. Still be in fact, I, I, I might choose a different um, Zoom background to, to, to fit that. I think this would maybe be more the sort <laughs> yeah. of scene that you'll see. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Now, now I've put, this is a parallel universe. <laughs> I know in physics there can be different universes. This is yeah. I've now got a palm tree and a beach behind me when I, I actually copyrighted that photo. But anyway, so um, the I think that the, the the football press, they also knew uh, what they, you know, I, I can't speak on behalf of Matt and he'll know far more about it than me, but there was a groundswell of opinion at that time that Seth Blatter is a dodgy shit. Yeah. And so I think allowing the press to write about that right. and the press to sort of have a conduit for that sentiment. Um, and I know that you guys in the sports world have certainly got a better sense of humor than the, um, the, the political world, when I gave the, the P45 to Theresa May, my God, did they take it seriously. They <laughs> did not have a clue. I'm dressed up as this sort of Tory aide, you know, this the hair slid to one side, a tie that I bought that afternoon in Manchester and um, my best shirt that I hadn't pulled out the cupboard for a while. And in the middle of our speech, I hand her this thing, oh, um, t- um, Theresa, Theresa. Um, you need to take this. You need to take this. This is from Boris, and um, she took it amazingly. Well, I mean, incredibly, she took the thing. I thought I was going to be, you know, instantly shot. Turns out the prime minister just politely picked. How British is that? You know, <laughs> thank you. Just in the middle of her speech, took this P forty five. So then, and 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 that was like the stunt done. It was like almost an underwhelming moment because obviously <laughs> after the FIFA one. The money's in the air, the security's coming, the flashes are going off. Here, I was like, she was giving her speech. I handed it to her. Right, that's done. Has anyone even flipping noticed? Is anyone listening to her? Is anyone watching this? Because what everyone watching, I think, thought, oh, I genuinely am a political aide. I'm close by. She's forgotten something in the speech. She needs to be added. And then the security, just instead of whipping me up, they just lowered me back down to the floor. Like, you're getting in the way, okay? And I'm thinking, I've just, what? This isn't how this is meant to happen. There's meant to be now an explosion of activity, dragged out, kill, calling, like, whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't want to just sit here for the rest of the speech. My bit's done. And that's when I went over to Boris and was like, because the P45 was signed from Boris Johnson, you know. I didn't take a, a genius to realise that he wanted to fill her shoes as soon as possible. And I went over to Boris, slapped him on the thigh. Boris went exactly as planned. Marvellous. Uh, in the videos I've subsequently seen, he then calls me to Dave Davis, uh, who was in the cabinet at the time, a stupid tosser, um, which actually I think I saw on my desk. Here we go. I know you can see that's my Edinburgh poster from a couple of years ago. Stupid Tosser Boris Johnson. Everyone has these um, nice quotes on the front of their posters. So, um, uh, and then that's when I was dragged out. That's when the hall erupted into um, what did they shout? Scum, scum, scum! I think, which is about to be called scum. Wow! By people at the Tory Party conference. That's spe- that's special. Just like being called a stupid Tosser by the King of Stupid Tossers. It's almost a compliment. So I'm dragged out, and the journalists, no sense of humour taking this whole thing seriously. Could a few done a, done with you then, Matt, uh, with a smile on your face? Going, He's, it's a joke, and they're all going. So what's going on? What? Um, what? Who asked you to give 
who asked you to give it to her? That's it. Boris. And I was like, Boris, but I didn't, I didn't think anyone would be asking me such ridiculous questions. And there's like a pack of them moving backwards as I'm being dragged out. Scum, scum, scum. Going, when did he ask you to give it to her? And I'm like, a few days ago in Westminster. And they're like beavering, <laughs> writing it down. I'm like, Jesus, guys, this is a joke. And then Boris didn't really ask me to give her a P45. Amazing. I wonder which which prank are you proudest of then of of these ones? Oh, which am I proud? I mean, that's as hard a question as asking Chris to pick a medal. <laughs> <laughs> I love likening everything I'm doing, trying to inch in on Chris's incredible. So it's a bit like asking an Olympian that I think. <laughs> um, which am I proudest of? Well, look, the, the FIFA one recently felt like. Uh, like I'm not doing these to be political. They're not, you know, political. Like they're not. I'm not a protester, but obviously there's got to be a heart to them, a, a reason for doing them. You know, I could have chucked money at someone else with lots of high profile. Wouldn't have made any sense. It was because of the corruption going on at FIFA at that time. And I think recently it's almost got another lease of life with the Qatar World Cup, with the Russia World Cup, with uh, I think SEP recently. Then they went to court, and it feels like that one was the one that you go yeah okay because people forget to reason they was um uh, uh you know the, the whole strong and stable thing it, it resonated very much at the time in that but people are quick to forget politics you know she was saying she was strong and stable she was clearly anything but it was you know put it this way people felt sorry for her when i gave her that p45 that's the most powerful woman in britain and people are feeling sorry for her yeah. and yeah. so but that moment it moves so quickly that people could have forget oh yeah you gave people here but, and like all of them have this moment like when i went on stage with kanye west that was sort of in 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 line with when he invaded the stage when um taylor swift won the award so mm. it was like but these things get forgotten whereas the fifa one was that sort of rolled and i think that sentiment about fifa being corrupt money-led greedy has rolled on for years and if anything it's grown stronger mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professional you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So is it is your love for football still there? Do you still is it is it just the high end? Is it the, the people who are in power that you have the the beef with? Or? Yeah, I'm I'm an utter hypocrite. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm there supporting Manchester City. You know, talk about money, talk about bankrolling. I mean, they um, 
they've been bankrolled to what a billion i mean i you know and, and um but yeah I, I i watch and enjoy and salivate at um the incredible players that we've got and harlan's record and de bruyne who and 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 grealish and you know everyone that's right again right from foden who's from the youth system but no doubt foden wouldn't have stayed at city like Giggs used to be at manchester city well, we didn't stand a blow. Yeah, he was a youth, the, the the academy at City. We don't stand a chance when they down the road have got the better manager and the better players and the better. So yeah, I do. I do still love love the football. I don't um, really follow football massively, but I, I feel an affinity to Man City because our the village where I used to train was right next door to Sport City. It was you know the the EIS, the English Institute of Sport. I used to go for physiotherapy. Oh, Matt's in the dark. One sec. <laughs> 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 This whole this whole map being at Wimbledon is becoming less and yeah, less plausible. Is, is it just yeah, just a boil protest? That's actually a very good protest. That if they turn out the floodlights. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Go on. You yeah, were saying. So, yeah, I just saying. I feel a sort of certain affinity with Man City just because I spent so many years of my life. Right next door, you would, you know, you'd see the Man City fans all the time. You'd be in getting your physio and your massage in at the EIS, which is part of their their grounds. So, yeah, it's it's funny to see how you know when I first moved down to Manchester in the well mid nineteen nineties, it was all about Man United, wasn't it? It was the United were always on top, City were always the the kind of poor relation, and then a, you look at it now. As sport often is, it's a great a great. You know, life. Um, uh, I don't know. Let's say parable. Um, Matt, you'll know the big word. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not good. I'm not good with words. You know. It's for one thing as a journalist. I ain't got words. No. So it, yeah, you, 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 what goes around comes around. You stay in there. I remember '99 watching that and just seeing that I was, I was a, a, a bit of a bitter blue. And hating United probably almost as much as loving City. And now, um, yeah, it's incredible. You see, it's a good life lesson. If you put a billion pounds into something you care about, eventually <laughs> you'll turn out triumphant. <laughs> I, I, I was there. What the 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 um, the Commonwealth Games? I was volunteering there. Where are you? Yeah, two thousand two. Yeah. And that oh, wow. was obviously where City Stadium came about. Well, as always with these things, it's timing, it's luck. And City got that stadium given to them. Not like it is now. It only had two tiers on the side and one on each. Uh, one tier on the side. And, yeah, two. Anyway, it was it was one tier less, but it was um, that all added to the to the luck of the run that started back then. So what was your role? What sort of stuff were you involved in when you were the volunteer at the games? Basically trying to do as little as possible and watch as much as possible. <laughs> I think someone's got that covered, hasn't they? It, that was, yeah, exactly. It was, I was on the like medical, uh, medical side of things, having recently qualified as a doctor. In fact, I worked at Manchester City. I only remember this the other day because my cousin, who's also a City fan, because... His dad, my dad's brother's from Manchester, and he was like, I remember you coming on the pitch at Main Road with the physios, like Sheffield Wednesday at home or something. I'd forgotten my memory is abysmal. But yeah, I came on. I was part of the medical crew there, meant to be on the pitch that time. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. You see, I feel sorry for a lot of these volunteers, like particularly in at Beijing in 2008, where they seem to have... 10 times the number of volunteers you would get at a normal Olympic Games, just so many people there. And there were people that were 
you know, at an Olympic venue during the Olympic Games, but their job was to stand and hold the doors open in the corridor, in some little back corridor. Meanwhile, you know, 50 metres away, there's Olympic gold medals being presented, there's amazing sporting performances, and they're stood in this corridor in the dark, holding yeah. a door open, which could be held by a, you know, a door stopper. But, oh, um, my God. Yeah, and I get... imagine they're probably not the best at being relaxed about discipline. Yeah, I just had a little... <laughs> Little nip out to watch the uh, <laughs> yeah. to watch to watch the medal ceremony. No, 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 not not, not yeah. happening, mate. It was yeah, the same. Exactly. It was the same with the Japan, or well, a bit different, but similar to to the Japan Olympics because I went out to that and that was COVID bubble, and there were no spectators allowed in. So I was going to this place to watch, and then going out to the streets with the, all the people of Tokyo, who weren't able to, you know, volunteers or otherwise weren't able to experience their Olympics at all. I felt I felt quite guilty about that, to sort of that, that they couldn't experience this amazing thing in their city. Yeah. So that was, just going that back was... to your. your senior medic at what point did you decide to step away from being a medic and, and that that career path was it was it that into comedy were you doing comedy at the same time what how did that all come about it was that into comedy it was um uh, i got it into my head that i wanted to do comedy i had no idea about comedy it would be like someone saying they want to be an olympic cyclist without even sort of seeing a bike it it was it was um, because I hadn't seen stand up. I didn't know. I basically got inspiration. I saw Sasha Baron Cohen on the telly smashing it on the 11 o'clock show. And it was always characters. Alan Partridge, um, The Office with Ricky Gervais, where he inhabited that day. And I was like, that's what I do. I pretend to be other people just all the time. I go out on a night out and I'll pretend to be. I think the first 24 hours with my wife were me pretending to be um, a Spanish exchange student. <laughs> Always a good sign if someone's still <laughs> fond of your company despite the 24 hours of drunk being a complete idiot. You know they could be, you could get on. <laughs> you could be the one. Most, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, it was like, oh my God, that's what, what, what? That's what I wanted. I can do that. I'm funny and I do another. So it was... Um, uh, I don't know whether either of you had those moments of going sort of that. Yes, that's um, and and then really did very very little because just stupidly. First of all, it was just one of those things at the back of your mind, you know. Yeah, you're gonna get. You want to have hang out with your mates, and you, you. I had no idea what you. You 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 have to put time aside. You've got to write the damn thing. You've got to think what you want to do and work out how you want to do it, and then get. So I I dabbled like I did a handful of gigs um some of which were amazing and some which were dreadful I think the worst being one of my mates denied he knew me afterwards in the pub <laughs> <laughs> always a great moment I no no idea I do we live together no <laughs> um but really very very little and then of course when I actually got to qualifying that was the time that I actually hated the medicine the most. I loved the studying because it was just hanging out and being with your mates and didn't have to do much. And and then it was suddenly hard work and I wasn't living with the people I wanted to live because I was living in a hospital, which is like sort of Eastern European accommodation because there's no money to spend on a new ECG machine, let alone a new tap for the leaking um, student, uh, new doctor's area. So after there were you do the year as a junior doctor and then i decided after that i would just literally go home to london live with my parents probably should have told them before i arrived <laughs> and um and just start comedy start wow do it and and i put all these things onto tape and it's almost like not knowing what was out there sort of helped me 
a little bit actually like the city uh, when I went on the pitch at uh, Goodison, knowing in my head I thought there could be no consequences. It made me do it, and the same when I started comedy, not knowing the mountains you have to climb, anything about the world of stand up. I didn't know about the Edinburgh Festival. I didn't know, and and then just going, yeah, I can do this. Sort of almost helped, and I got a very early break on. Channel Four, very early break. The guy just really liked me. I'd done this video with now. He, he's 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 someone a friend of a friend, and they were like, "You should get." He's doing some filming stuff, and you should work with it. So he's now like one of Hollywood's top DOPs, <laughs> uh, director of photography, right? And at the time, we were just starting out. Um, yes, he has got a little bit further than me in the same time frame. Yes, you don't need to mention <laughs> that. I know. So. Um, uh, he, we did this thing. I was this Iraqi doctor because inspired by one of the people who I'd seen working with me in the hospital who had come to the UK but couldn't practice medicine because um, he's an asylum seeker and you want until you get your papers. You, I mean, this backstory is always a little bit irrelevant. I went on the tube and I would busk on the tube as this Iraqi doctor singing about the tube to Beatles songs was um i'm trying to think of some of the uh what was it chalk i can't remember but the what some of the lines were about chalk farm being in zone two set to love love me do <laughs> um, um and it was funny and it was in he film on like the other part of the tube a tiny little um camera and people and, and we sent that off and then someone at Channel 4 loved it and just went, right, get on the telly. We want you on. We're like, great, of course, I'm going to be on the telly because I'm trying to do comedy and I'll get on the telly. And I got on the telly and I was this Iraqi doctor. All it was building in this paper was this Iraqi doctor comes to the UK and struggles to make a living. Not, not down as comedy. It was the five-minute slot just after the news, which they used to have back then. And so the only people who re were, were reviewing it were like Iraqi newspapers in, 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 in London. Go, you've got to check this out. It's great. And before it had come on, of course, no one noticed it. It was probably rubbish. And it was almost like that was the moment. I was making it a talkback Thames, which was where they were making the 11 o'clock show. And it was almost like once I got there, I was like, oh, Jesus, this is, I don't know what I am doing here. It was like actually that once I'd got the break on television, that's when I realised bloody hell, this is I've no, I've no idea here. Well, I've I've, and that's then when someone said, "You know about the Edinburgh Festival?" No, no, no. Went up there. I was like that blew me away. That was like oh my, like imagine being into sport and again not knowing someone shows you the Olympics and it's you know and it, it, I keep trying to pull myself closer to Chris in every analogy, but the 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 um the, there's just I don't know whether you've been to the Edinburgh Festival. Sadly, lots of people haven't, and it's this uh, it's just ev every corner of Edinburgh, every venue, every we're not talking about like people think festival, they're thinking huge stages and Glastonbury or festival when these, you know, the Cannes Film Festival and lovely art house theatres. This is <laughs> like just every room, every corridor, every cupboard, every telephone booth is performers and shows and it's just madness up there. And the whole of Edinburgh transforms into this just lit posters everywhere. And I felt when well, first I went back to Edinburgh after the festival when i'd never only been up there in the festival i just i was like what it's like a ghost town there's no one there there's no posters it's clean there's and that was when i was like oh wow okay stand up 
stand-up comedy. And that's then when I took my characters, of which the most obvious one to be to bring on to stage because he's just in the moment, which stand-up has to be, was Lee. And that's when it all, all got underway. And then I went back to the festival. And uh, at first I went just to watch. And then I went back. And the second year I went back when I did my first solo show as Lee, that then got the commission for Lee Nelson's Well Good Show on BBC Three. And that then sort of led to the the the, the career path, which has recently changed and going into stuff as myself, which again is something that I said, I'm just going to do it and then started doing it and thought, I don't know what I'm doing here. It was another <laughs> one of those moments. Have you, and, and you're saying you're still writing the show for, for the festival? Yes. The festival. How's that all going and, and what stage are you at in that? Yeah, that leads us nicely now to this moment uh, which which is which is why I probably won't be watching uh, any of the Wimbledon final because I'll be writing this show called Xavier and I'm going up there and playing a really nice room, 250 seats, and it's got air conditioning. Wow. You probably yeah, it's I don't want to show off, but it's a con- <laughs> but it's a converted gym. Yeah, not bad. Um and it's really cool. I mean, doing the stand-up as myself, I don't think I've ever been so passionate about I've loved comedy from the second I went into it and I've got to love what I'm doing. Otherwise, I just can't get switched on for it. But this, probably the passion I feel for this is the most exciting being able to just, it's the most freeing, it's the most liberating, it's the most, um, it's its like cycling with no clothes on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used to do that every now and again. There used to be, there was a, a naked flying lap record um, at most tracks. So usually on a training camp when you're just there, <laughs> Just a small group of you, and it would be somewhere hot and sunny. Yeah, there would be the, the odd person would go for it. There'd be like a, a naked fine. Like you had to wear a helmet, obviously, but apart from that, helmet and shoes, nothing else. Helmet um, and helmet. You had two helmets on display, and off you went. <laughs> so, yeah, I haven't done that for a few years, but um, yeah, it's. But, but the festival, I mean, it, we were chatting about it before we came on, before you came on there at the start. And um, I've not been to Edinburgh. I'm, I'm from Edinburgh, it's my hometown. I don't live there now, but. I think the last Fringe Festival I went to was probably about four years ago or five years ago. But you're right. I think people who haven't been assume it's this, you know, these massive big stages, these huge, big, you know, um, professional setups. But it's just everywhere you look, wherever you can cram um, a performance in of any sort, there it is. You know, you people on the street, people in tiny little places and little pubs and little venues. But yeah, if you've got yourself a great big two hundred and fifty seater with air conditioning, well, you that, have that's that's massive. That is pretty cool. That's and I'm I'm I, that's that's hard work. That's going year after year. And the first year, I have you been Matt? Have you been up yeah, to the festival? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you coming up this year? Or are you coming up? No, I've got sporting clashes. So I, we were talking before yeah. how I can't do it. We're, we've tried to make a date to go up next year together. Yeah, so, we're um, going to go that's, go that's next end. year. Yeah. But yeah, this right. year we've got the the World Cycling Championships. They're in Glasgow, so it's not far away. But it's this massive. All the different sport, all the different disciplines of the sport. So you got road track, mountain bike, BMX, everything together at the same time over wow. ten days. Wow! So it's it's going to be I'm going to be working every day, so it's going to wow. be a flat out thing. So yeah, maybe well, next it, year. It fancy and fancy a, a popover. Yeah, uh, tickets. Oh, cheers! Sorted. And what, what, um, what dates does it start and finish? Um, it starts literally. Uh, he says frantically looking at his diary. The second, the second of August. I got I got it sent. There we go. Second of August. Yeah. And then it goes right the way through to the twenty seventh, which wow. is pre- yes, pretty mad. What's, what's the sh- what's the show about? Is there a theme to it, or what's the? the yes, there is. There is a theme. Um, I, it's looking at where the where who's good and who's bad. 
um, inspired by looking at some of what's going on with the politicians at the moment and thinking they they can't be they can't be that good, can they? Let's look at this. Like, and then looking at myself and going, actually, am I all that good? Am I actually? Am I? I hope that I'm, you know, better than Matt Hancock. But am I really better than <laughs> Matt Hancock? <laughs> and then looking at other people in my life and going, you know, my wife. There's not many good people. Um, but my wife, she's a good person. She's a, she's a teacher. You know, she gets paid, but by the time she's bought a train ticket to and from school and the coffee at the station, it's basically voluntary work. And uh, you know, but she does it because she loves it. You know, and and um, and how nice people don't get you get nice people get treated so badly by society. It's just this weird world we've got where the bankers who are sort of. I know they play their part in the thing, but they are sort of, generally speaking, they're getting paid a hell of a lot of money. for. I don't know how much skill they got and I don't know how much caring they've got in their soul, you know. Um, as, as I say in my, my show, you know, they're sort of showing off about how little they know. You know, I left school when I was 16, no qualifications, now make five million a year working for Goldman Sachs because I've got something you can't teach no principles it's um and then maybe starting to think hang on could my wife actually do better than me is there so is there is there someone out there am i actually holding my wife back and um, looking at other leaders around the world looking at you know iran going i'm definitely better than the ayatollah i know that for sure and and it's um yeah an exploration of, of who's good who's bad and a look at myself you know Am I doing anything? Am I actually? I'm just, I can't, I'm selfish as they come, really. You know, my brother volunteers at a soup kitchen, right? And he like he never told me about it. And in my head, I'm like, well, what's the point in volunteering unless you, you actually let everyone know you volunteer? Um, <laughs> so in terms of the show itself, do you have a chance to practice it in front of an audience before you get to Edinburgh? Or is it is it you kind of land on that first night and not you're not really sure exactly how it's going to be received you know what's what is the the, the process like of, of putting together a show no it's a lot of hard slog which is why i'm always interested in the hard slog in other fields though so we're talking about the tour de france thing i want to see them training i want mm. those are the things that it almost interest me the most because you you know what happens at the end the elite athletes you see the right i want to see the hard work that goes in behind um, and yeah, there is a lot of a lot of work from the writing of it and the amount of stuff. I think comedy, what's brilliant about the stand-up, about doing straight stand-up is there's no pretense. I'm trying to shed as many layers of bullshit as possible and I want it to be truthful and real. But this is the bugger. It has to be funny. So there's so much stuff that just can't be, yeah, that's interesting, great. If you want to give a really crap TED talk in front of 250 people in Edinburgh, go for it, Simon, but you need to make them laugh. And that's sort of the currency that matters the most. But I think the comics who I admire the most at the moment are those who can generate laughs from real. They are, you know, they're not throwing in, you know, you take anything to obviously Lee, the whole thing was a fabrication. There wasn't a Lee Nelson, so none of it mattered. But then you go and hear a comedian talking about a joke and they'll do a pull back and reveal and go, um, I was I, I was 15 at the time, oh, whatever the scenario is. Oh, we were all on a bus, actually. And when you've just painted a picture like you're all. Um, and I think that what I'm trying to do is have as, as, as 
the the tr- truth, 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 real, real, real. And if you can get laughs from that, I think that's the richest form for me. That's what I want to do. And so, yeah, you got to write it a hundred percent, then practice and pra- practice in front of people. Because again, ultimately, with comedy, the audience get to decide. The There's no stopwatch. There's no listen. I know this is funny. Imagine. You know, when comets go up there, uh, please, this is actually really funny. <laughs> no, it's not, mate. None of us have laughed. It, 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 uh, so you've got to practice and hone it and tune it and you want it to be a, a show that you want to love performing and love people performing because you're up there for a month, you know, and that's and a long it, slog. What's it like towards, you know, the middle part of it when you're you're kind of halfway through, you've not got the the energy for it. There's a last week or you've got the big finale. It's just you're slogging along and it's a Wednesday night and it's just yeah. you know you've, you've kind of got over the novelty of being up in edinburgh how do you maintain that enthusiasm and that performance how, how do you get through that yeah it's the equi- football equivalent of yeah how was he going to cope on a wet wednesday night in burma <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to do it in brazil but can he do it it's um uh it is a slog it is a mental slog um you know i'm a homeboy i love all my comforts i love my rhythms i love my patterns I've recently, you know, with an ADHD diagnosis, understood why I'm such an awkward SOB. Um, and I allow myself that, you know, I love my pillows. I love my meals. I love my set things. I love going to the gym in the morning. I love, So I miss all that deeply. So, yeah, it, it's um, my family are coming up. And that's always, you know, he- helps keep you. you, you they're, they're coming up for a bit. Obviously, it's not the most exciting thing for them, let's be honest um because i'm all on sort of work mode and so um you know i'm like wanting them to not wake me up at whatever time in the morning jumping on my head because i'm like i've got a, i've got a show darlings so um it, it, it there's always the, the great thing is when you step on stage that's where i feel most alive so uh, that's always the the carrot at the end of it and, you know, really, am I really going to complain? Poor Simon has to perform his one hour show for 28 days in a row. Oh, <laughs> you know, so I, I'm, that's always at the back of my mind as well. It's work and it's hard, but in the scheme of things, it's really a joy. So and there's worse places to be than Edinburgh when you're when you're not working. But I've wander around. Yes, although say that on a wet Wednesday night in the middle of the summer, it's hard to. <laughs> yeah, true, true. No, Edinburgh is stunning. Edinburgh is absolutely stunning. Um, weirdly, all the Edinburghers tell me how it was hot in July, but just coincidentally, <laughs> it used to be hot, and now Should suddenly here when week, I'm yeah. here, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Especially at the moment, um, it, was, it was red hot in June, and it's absolutely chucking it down at the moment. But yeah, you never know; you might get a good week or two. This is one of the first years I'm happy for it to be hot because talking about how unsort of massive festival is, how it, it takes over the whole city, but every room is crammed. So, yes, it may be 18 degrees and drizzling outside, but somehow inside the venues, it's 35 and absolutely <laughs> roasting hot. But you've got air conditioning, so you're all right, you know. Exactly. I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm absolutely bring on the heat. I want every other show to suffer. Bring it on, mate. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm massively looking forward to it, massively looking forward to it. And, and um, yeah, you can go down the get hammered route and think you've got to have the odd party night up there. I have to. There's one day off. Otherwise, you just go totally nuts. But again, that's why I'm, the, 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 the sport stuff fascinates me. That focus that you have to maintain is, yeah. is for an I, Olympic 
Well, I, I, I think it's easier if you, as an Olympic athlete, it's easier because you have this end goal and you're focusing on this one day or this one week every four years or even every every year you've got a world championship. But what I find amazing are this, the athletes who do week in, week out, rugby players, football players who are in a league, who are competing year round, tennis players. How do you maintain, you know, it's easier to maintain focus for one big thing that you build towards and you have a natural progression of the fluctuation of, you know, peaking and then recovering and all that. But yeah, the guys who, I think rugby in particular, because their bodies take such massive hits all the time um, and there's a, you know, the draw of the, the, the professional clubs, there's a draw of the national teams, all the, you know, they could be playing almost every week of the year if they wanted to and, and with World Cups and tours and everything else. Um, but yeah, how, how, I don't know how they maintain that, how they, they sort of keep well, that because also they've got to train to keep fit, but equally they've got to be able to play every weekend. Yeah, those rugby players, the build, the build, they have everything. They've got the speed, mm. the strength, the stamina. It's like a boxer's is just incredible. But maybe because it's slightly easier in that it's um, less one moment everything is and I, I prefer that. So sometimes I'll actually like having two shows of a day because really? so actually I feel I recently filmed I had an amazing run this tour uh, called Screwed Up, which is actually starting up again after the Edinburgh Festival. Um, because it was just a, yeah, a real hit. So we've added like 30 extra dates, right? And so I had an amazing run in London of eight, eight, um, eight shows in London at Leicester Square Theatre. And they cram in, so you do 7.30 and 10 o'clock, two hours, quick half an hour change around. And we filmed it one of the nights. Um, but having two has that sense in the back of one's mind, it's okay. And I think, interesting, if you prefer that one moment, then, of course, that's just perfection for your discipline. Yeah. But I think knowing it doesn't matter. But you, you've got what? It doesn't matter. Wait another four years, <laughs> right? <laughs> where's, where's the joy of going, it's okay, because, yeah, Wednesday wasn't great. I've got Thursday to make up for it. Matt and I can relate to that. We once had to record two podcasts in one day. So, you know, it's we can we can... So there we go. Like, yeah. With only a 15-minute break, it was incredible. Yeah. Jeez, so I imagine <laughs> the energy drinks were getting guzzled during that Honestly, break. I just want to give me a massage, my shoulders. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Do you still keep very much... I mean, I've seen your Instagram. Uh, do you still keep very much in, in shape? Are you uh, still... This is oh, Chris, sorry, by you, the way. I thought you were talking to Matt there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. 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 Well, I saw him get up. That was a pretty nifty get When the lights went off in his, in his alleged Wimbledon studio, AK, his kid, turned off the light, thinking he was out the room. The, you were, that was a launch speed, pretty impressive. But, uh, the, 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 yeah, the, do you... Um... Yeah, I still I joy ride my bike still. I, I, I kind of miss the routine of the training. Of the, I, I, I actually really enjoyed the discipline of being an athlete and... But the downside is that you do that to the nth degree and that there's everything else in your life has to fit into that. So you can't have it both ways. The grass is always greener. So I do miss that routine, but equally it's nice to have a bit of flexibility and you can you can do other things in life now. But I yeah, I still try and ride my bike, I still do a bit in the gym. Um, I do a bit of motorsport now, just for fun. Cool. So I love racing cars and, and just having that competitive element every now and again. So yeah, it's I guess it's it's having balance, isn't it? It's, it's getting enough of the things you enjoy and trying to keep fit. But also, you become a parent, you have other priorities in life too as you get older. 
but I've seen a lot of ex-sportsmen, they sort of balloon up a little bit because obviously the exercise, the intensity that they were hit, they could probably, they would have struggled to put on any weight, let alone, you know, back in the day. And then yeah. suddenly you're like, um, so you, are you still very health, fitness um, conscious? Well, it's, I think my, my appetite follows what I'm doing. So the more okay, I used to eat right. like an absolute horse all the yeah. time, um, I would eat every couple of hours and, yeah. and I thought I, I was concerned about what happens when you stop because you're absolutely right, you, you would just balloon. But I think it's, it's as long as you taper, as long as you're aware of what you're doing, as long as you don't kind of get into bad habits, things like drinking alcohol. I didn't used to drink alcohol at all when I was training. You know, you'd be maybe one or two months of the year, you could have a few beers and have, sort of let your hair down. But really, it was just discipline, discipline, discipline all the time. And so the, the hard part is when you finish and then you don't have to stay off the wine or the beer. You can, you know, there's kind of like, well, there's no, no reason not to tonight. I might just crack open a bottle and then it's, well, where does that stop? So it's kind of making sure you have some sort of, you know. Let's get started with you locking yourself in the cupboard and doing a podcast. <laughs> exactly. With, 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 Matt guy, with Matt making sure you stay in. This is rehab. Exactly. Rehab. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But no, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's just, it's an interesting thing when people finish their career as a sports person. What, what next? You know, how do you keep that focus? How do you have something that, that gets you up in the morning? And the good thing is for me, I suppose, not being a footballer or a, tennis player or someone that's earned millions and millions of pounds you, you have to work you have to find other things to do you can't just sit at home um so i mean i realize the irony of me sitting at home right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah no it's uh it's yeah it's been it's been an interesting it's been 10 years actually since i retired wow. so there you go what about yeah. you matt how do you keep in shape are you uh, uh i like to i like to go to the gym run uh play some tennis i play cricket but that, the cricket's not really getting in shape so i just i'm not set in one thing but just bits and bobs sometimes being at a thing like wimbledon you you lose fitness because you don't get a chance to go to the gym there's a bit it's a bit too hectic so i just try and do so i have good weeks bad weeks but simon you're a reg, you're a regular are you you're yeah you sound very very normal and balanced matt very, <laughs> very so i can't, I can't he's a wild one he's not at all normal and balanced, i can't empathize i can't <laughs> empathize with any of that matt bit of this bit of that sensible <laughs> fitting it around lifestyle no, i'm like I have to go to the gym every I've just found that that yeah that the exercise kicking off the day has helped me in so many ways mm. um and funnily enough it does link to the ADHD and that it's sort of self-medicating because having uh, heard many doctors talk about it one of the most interesting ones I heard was this uh, psychiatrist, this American psychiatrist, ADHD specialist. He said he sees a lot of new patients when they get an injury because they have been running intensely, working out at the gym, whatever floats their boat, which has a very similar effect on the brain chemistry as to the actual medication itself that's given wow. for ADHD. So they... And you know me. This was this was me. You you sort of self medicate, and then they get injured. They can't do the activity. Suddenly they're feeling overwhelmed. Their brain's going crazy, and that's when they reach out to uh, their their you know physician, who then mm. sends them to this psychiatrist. So um, I found I, it would be a problem, but I haven't let it be a problem. Like I've accepted, I kind of need to do that um, just to clear the head, just to get things going. And it's such a great safety net because often um, you don't sleep well. That's just part of the whatever, my brain, the ADHD, whatever. But knowing that you can reset it at the gym is like a really nice comfort blanket. And, 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 um, and I think it is a great thing to just set up for life. Obviously, I 
like everything I do, take it way too far, way too obsessively, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I think it is great. I think it's one of the, if, if there's one thing, you know, they could just teach more at school and just implement more exercise because yeah. it just unlocks so many other things. It, it's, yeah. um, yeah. So even, even like, you know, like riding your bike to work, back to school or running to school or doing something in the morning so that when you arrive at school, the kids have had some exercise, they've had some sort of stimulus, physical stimulus before they sit down at their desk. So they're able to, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I concentrate so much better after I've been doing something in the gym or on the bike. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just, you feel, as you say, everything seems easier and everything works more efficiently Massively. with your brain if you've had that, that proper hit out first thing. Massively. And, and as I always say, I don't think many people want to do it like i i still don't go yes i'm about to do some squats like but it's almost like a reverse hangover you feel crappy doing it and then afterwards you feel great and and you just and it's it's uh so come on kids get exercising i feel like we're at the end of one of those little uh little public health announcements yeah it, ha it has massively helped my life and and, and you talk about edinburgh and how'd you get through it well, that it clears my head. It gets things organised. It gets things settled. I'm able to think straight for the rest of the day. So, yeah, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty cool. Have you got a gym yeah. sorted in Edinburgh for the the festival? You know what the um, Edinburgh, um, this is where Edinburgh seems so much better than London. The um, the what what's it called? Where the swimming pool is the main the Commonwealth Pool or the Commonwealth Pool? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got so, access up there. So I've got. So you pay tiny amounts of money compared to what gym membership is in london and the facilities are great and it's yeah and um yeah big up to edinburgh council for for doing yeah. that i used uh, to train you know the pleasance where a lot of the the venues are I've yeah been there. so there's a really good gym up there that's why i used to train when i was is that at the bottom here. where the pleasance is yeah in the so you, in the pleasance itself right down the back there's down like the, a, that's my venue is it yeah converted gym yes. i'm training i'm performing in chris hoy's gym that's there might, giving me an extra buzz. There, there might be, if it's the same one, I don't know, I've not been there for a few years, they actually had a little mural with a few sports people on the wall and I was one of the people on the hey, wall. So there you go. That's pretty cool. That might, come... I might be watching you from the wall. <laughs> that's, so, that's so cool. That's so cool. What an inspiration. They, they cover all that up because I went there last year uh, and all it says on there, and I'm probably going to have to take the piss out of this when I step on stage up there, is um, uh, on one of the walls they've left play train perform and enabling excellence those are the only things that are left from the gym so i'm gonna have to explain that's not part of my set <laughs> we should uh, leave you to actually write this show um because it's not going to get written by itself but um i've really enjoyed the hour and having you on thank you it. so much thank you so much absolute, yeah, absolute awesome. pleasure talking to both of you and um i'll have that extra little um energy to perform my absolute best knowing that there is a chris hoy watching <laughs> every minute of me at every show in edinburgh thanks Why simon just appreciate it so much and yeah we know you've got a lot on your plate you're busy just now so we appreciate all your time thank you my absolute pleasure so yeah please come and see me everyone listening at the pleasance of the edinburgh festival and afterwards carrying on throughout the uk on my screwed up tour awesome best of luck mate Good cheers luck with guys it. enjoy cheers. Really good meeting you. Um, Matt, have a wicked day today. Are you are you commentating? No, just writing. Just so, writing. Yeah, being on centre court right. in a minute. Yeah. So you don't really need to be there. Nah, that's fine. I'll probably have a little snooze. Take care Cheers, guys. Thank See you. you. Bye -bye. See you later. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.